Are you looking to buy or sell a home? Wondering where to start? Do you have questions about mortgage and real estate and need honest, accurate answers? Well, you're in the right place. Welcome to The Educated Home Buyer with expert real estate broker, Jeb Smith, and certified mortgage consultant, Josh Lewis, where we discuss everything you need to know to buy right, borrow smart, and build wealth through real estate ownership. Welcome back to the Educated Home Buyer Live, where my goal is to help you buy right, borrow smart, and build wealth through real estate ownership and financing. So this week, Josh bailed on me earlier in the week. He's up in Tahoe doing a conference. Couldn't make it today, so it's just me. So today we're going to talk about some recent data uh, with regards to inflation, with regards to interest rates, and then we will then we will dive into some questions uh, and hopefully get you guys some answers. So the main headline at the moment is obviously inflation, right? We received inflation numbers that uh, were higher than expected. Um, expectations were one point. 1% increase, we saw a 1.3% increase, and inflation is currently sitting at 9.1%, which is the highest reading we've had since 1981, 41 years, a year after I was born. So uh, inflation is super high, um, higher than expectations, if you will. But the crazy thing is what we saw with regards to the bond market and interest rates. Uh, so Initially, we saw some adjustments with regards to uh, the 10-year uh, moving higher. And then after the data kind of settled, uh, if you will, we actually saw the 10-year retrace and ended up closing under 3%. So it ended up closing essentially where it started. It was down a little bit, but more or less where it started. At the same time, interest rates essentially moved flat. So was the market expecting uh, the numbers to be high? I think the easy answer to that question is yes, but also the market's looking at it and saying, hey, listen, the Fed is now going to have to keep their aggressive stance with regards to the Fed funds rate, with regards to inflation, uh, which is now you know, pricing in a 50-50 chance, just under 50% chance that they're going to do a full 1% hike um, at the end of the month when the Fed funds meet. So, or when the Fed meets rather to discuss the Fed funds rate. So there's a lot going in there. And you might think, well, why does the market want to see, you know, that that larger increase in, in the Fed funds rate? It's because, uh, you know, the Fed is doing what it takes to get inflation under control. Um, and it's likely, you know, also, I think the market is signaling if they do that and they continue to be aggressive, it's likely going to uh, push us into a recession. And we've talked about, you know, this before about recessions being deflationary by nature, which ultimately I think the market believes that inflation isn't a long-term risk, right? While inflation in the short term is a problem, the market's basically saying, hey, listen, we understand it's a problem, but we don't think it's a long-term problem. Um, and therefore rates kind of moderated, if you will. So that's really the big headline at the moment. Um, you know, if you're out there shopping for rates, obviously I wouldn't look at this information and say, well, I hope, you know, rates are going to get better now because of this. I would still lock your loan if, you know, if you're looking at the market and um, unless you're somebody that's willing to take risks, lock it. If you're comfortable with the payment, don't play the games. Um, and, and, and it'll be interesting to see what the fed does, right? I, th I think if the fed comes out and does, I mean, I think it's either between this point of doing 75 basis points or a full 1%. And we saw, uh, Canada today, the, the bank of Canada actually came out and did a 1% hike. So 
their super aggressive stance there, um, you know, and, and that I think was the largest increase they've done. in I can't remember the number of years, but it's a, a big increase in, in, in their um, fed funds rate. So it, it'll be interesting to see, but I think the feds either going to do 75 basis points or a full 1%. And if they do a full 1%, again, I think that's good for the market. Uh, it, it helps with that volatility helps to give the market what they want, which is what we've talked about several times. So hopefully that is helpful. Um, you know, not a lot of questions coming into the chat, but uh, as it's just me, guys, if you want to just hear me ramble on, I will. Um, otherwise, put some questions in there and we'll answer them for you. So uh, obviously got a lot of support here in the first couple of uh, comments in the chat. I'm kidding, of course. Um, appreciate Jay coming in there uh and and backing up a little bit um and i appreciate you guys being here so if you're new to the channel this is a you know answering your questions about mortgage and real estate giving you some guidance on the market really to provide education so that you can make informed decisions as a buyer or a seller it's not to get you to buy a house it's not you know this isn't my uh me coercing you into to doing something it's hey listen if you're thinking of this or you have questions about this that's where we come in to uh to to answer those questions so um appreciate that so what do we got here? So 1% rate is now at a 60% chance, Eric is saying. So, okay, so it's moving up considerably because it was it started at 40 or started actually significantly lower. I think like 16%, they moved up to 40, maybe 2% last I saw, and now it's at 60%. So Marcus pricing in a 1% hike, um, which is, here. here's the caveat to that, guys, is that if the market or you know the expectations get to a super high percentage, of 1% and the Fed comes out and does 75 basis points, while 75 is aggressive for what we've seen the Fed do in the past, if they come out and do less than what the consensus is, that's not going to be good for the market, right? Because that provides additional volatility. It shows that, hey, listen, is the Fed really you know, trying to get inflation under control. And then that is where we start to have issues. You know, um, we saw the 10 year and the one year invert today. So we've seen the 10 and two invert. We've seen the 10 and one invert now. Um, so the, the only thing keeping us from a recession at the moment is the fact that employment is strong. Um, and I think, you know, we're seeing companies at the moment, not necessarily, well, we are seeing some companies lay off employees, uh, but we've seen a you know a lot of headlines about companies basically halting uh, the idea of hiring new employees. Um, so you're likely going to see that reflected in in numbers coming soon. So I think we have initial jobless claims tomorrow. Um, so if if we start to see a weakness in the employment numbers, it'll be interesting to see how the Fed uh, takes their stance, right? Because one thing they've been they've been able to be aggressive on the Fed funds hike hikes because that you know employment has has remained strong but if they start to see employment tell off then they're going to be less aggressive in how they they um raise those rates so uh let's talk a little bit here so i'm gonna just dive into some questions and then as some comments come in and spark some thoughts i will put it out there uh we always talk about inventory inventory here locally where i am inventory uh, in general. So we know inventory is rising. Um, I don't think that's a surprise to anyone. We've seen demand drop off. Also, that shouldn't be a surprise to anyone just because of where affordability is. Um, but also seasonality is playing a part in that, right? You might not want to admit that, but this is typical for this time of year for buyer demand to drop off. 
uh, not at the levels that it has, but you can't just look at the numbers and say, okay, buyer demand is dropping and think that's you know the telltale sign that the, the market's changing. It is changing, but understand seasonality does play a part in that. And this is always a time of year where things start to slow. And that's playing, you know, that's, you know, making the numbers probably read a little bit higher than they would otherwise. You know, that affordability issue and interest rates being higher. But we've seen interest rates kind of moderate a little bit, right? The highs were six and a quarter. We've seen them come back down to around 5.75. And that's where they've been trading for, you know, the last week or so, um, which is, you know, good, right? We're not seeing these continual increases. That's good for the market. Uh, so with that said, I did bring up some, some information here. So this information comes from a local, uh, report that I subscribe to. It's called reports on housing. Um, and, and what I, I like to, to do with this information is, is just, again, it's my market. So if you're outside of Orange County or Southern California, it doesn't mean a lot to you, but what I say with regards to the comments can be applied to most markets out there because a lot of it is trending the same way. So we're going to throw this up here on the screen and we're going to, well, we're not, maybe not. Let's see here. We're going to throw it up on the screen like that. Can you guys read that? Let me know in the comments. I know I put it a little bit smaller, but I wanted to, to be able to read it myself here. So uh, active inventory continued to surge high, higher, adding 312 homes in the past two weeks, a couple of weeks up 9% and now totals. 3,803 homes. So as I came on the show, so this is from Monday, this report. Uh, but as I came on the show, 3,856 homes on the market in Orange County. Started the year just under 1,000 um, or just around 1,000, if you will. Huntington Beach, where I'm located today, we're at 250. We started the year at like 60 or 70. So significantly lower um, due mainly a lot to do to the time of the year, right? We always see inventory go down, but also, right? All the pandemic people buying lowered the number of homes on the market. But what's important here, uh, highest level of homes on the market since November of 2020. Uh, you know, here it goes on to read last year, uh, there were 2,528 homes on the market, uh, which is what, 1,275 fewer homes um, than today. So we, we have more homes than last year, uh, but we still have less homes than prior to November of 2020. But the three-year average in Orange County, 2017 to 2019, was 6,708 homes. So 76% more than we are today. Demand, the number of pending sales over the prior month, decreased by 151 pending sales in the past two weeks. That's down 8% and now totals 1,710 the lowest level at this time of year since tracking began in 2004. So less demand at the moment, like we talked about a minute ago, affordability, also seasonality is playing its part in there. Um, last year, there were 2,761 pending sales this time of year, uh, which was 61% more than today. Uh, but 2017 to 2019 average, 2,582. So that's 51% more than we than, than we have today. Uh, let's see, uh, Orange County listings at the current buying pace surge from 56 to 67 days in the past couple of weeks. So what does that mean? Days on the market are going up. Why are days on the market going up? Because homes are sitting longer. There's less buyers out there to buy those homes, right? Because some, some are sitting on the sidelines. Some got priced out of the market. Um, some are just waiting to see what the market does. There's more competition. Buyers are taking longer to make decisions. Therefore, Homes on the market are going up. Now, this time of year, 
homes on the market always go up. But if we compare it to last year, 27 days last year, we're at 67 right now. So we're still in this slight seller's market. Um, we're not the aggressive seller's market that we were a year ago uh, or six months ago for that matter. So buyers, you have more flexibility in how you write offers, which is important. You don't have to do these uh, you know, aggressive uh, offers when, you, when you're writing them in most markets these days, which means you're not having to waive appraisal and, and all contingencies in order to get your offer accepted. That's important and that's a good thing. It's a good thing for buyers, right? Buying houses without having to do any of this stuff, it was never good. What we talked about that many, many times. Uh, for homes priced below 750, the market is still a hot seller's market, less than 60 days, with an expected market time of 41 days. So you can kind of see here as we go through these, I didn't highlight them all, uh, but as you go up in price, typically speaking, the days on the market are also going to increase with them. Um, but Something I found you know important down here is the luxury end, all homes above two million. So Orange County is obviously a wealthy area. Twenty one percent of the inventory on the market today uh, is is two million dollars or above. So if we've got basically four thousand homes on the market, uh, which it's it's a little bit less than than four thousand, but if you took twenty percent of four thousand, what's that? Seven hundred ish, six hundred and fifty ish homes back out of that that number that most buyers don't qualify for. So the fact that you're looking at inventory levels increasing, yeah, they are increasing, but still there's a, you know, 20% of those homes most buyers can't afford because of the price point. So if you're a buyer out there and you're having trouble finding the right home, partly due to, you know, there's still not a lot of homes in certain price points. And, and so that that is presenting a problem for buyers still trying to find property. Uh, distressed homes. So for all of those people out there waiting for the foreclosure crisis, waiting for you know the world to fall apart, uh, both short sales and foreclosures combined made up 0.2% of all listings and 0.1% of demand. There are only five foreclosures and one short sale available to purchase today in all of Orange County. So six properties out of 3,856 properties uh, were distressed sales. And I actually went back and looked at a couple of these and they were all uh, distressed prior to the pandemic. They all had notice of defaults a long time ago. So this, these things aren't recent. There's a lot of equity in the system. Uh, but there were 2,362 closed residential sales in June. So believe it or not, people are still buying homes. The numbers reflect people are actually closing escrow. Uh, but that's 33% less than June 2021. Uh, and, but here's the, the thing, the sales to list ratio was 101.5 for all of Orange County. So that means that homes were still selling a little bit above the asking price for, you know, Orange County, but understand they closed in June. They like likely went into escrow sometime in April and May, you know, rates are pretty much where they were in May, uh, maybe a little bit higher, but the market is, is continuing to change. So Thought that would be helpful to provide a little bit of context as to what's happening here, but let's get into some questions now. So let's see. Alice uh, asked the first question, said, uh, let's see, what's the difference between a bank credit union rate and the GDP rate? So GDP rate, so that's gross domestic product. So there's not actually a, a rate there, if you will. So maybe you're talking about the Fed funds rate is what I'm thinking. Uh, but the biggest difference is the Fed funds rate is what banks lend is the overnight lending rate between, you know, what they borrow money at. So it has nothing, it's not directly 
impacting mortgage rates, right? Mortgage rates are impacted by mortgage-backed securities. Uh, but nevertheless, you know, if you want to follow something out there, the 10-year is probably the most closely uh, followed measure with regards to interest rates. Um, you know, Josh would would come on here and say it's it's like, you know, a, uh, what does he say? Uh, walking the dog, right? The, the uh, Walking the dog on a leash, you know, it's never going to get too far too... Uh, too far in front or too far behind you uh, with regards to that measure. So the two aren't correlated at all, but here's what I would say. If you're, and I mean the, the Fed funds rate and interest rates. So if you're considering getting uh, a pre-approval or going through that process, talk to a credit union, talk to a bank, right? They're not the same, right? Credit unions often keep loans on their books. They don't necessarily sell them to a secondary market. So sometimes credit unions have more aggressive rates than a bank but also get a quote from a broker, right? Brokers have access to credit unions. They have access to banks. And oftentimes these rates are considerably better. I will say, you know, Josh has access to a credit union here in Southern California that has the most aggressive interest rates I've seen on any product. And there's only one person that has access to these rates and it's, it's through a company that he uses. So, you know, in talking to him versus another bank, you're probably going to get a lower quote on that rate when comparing it to others. So just make sure you're shopping around and having those conversations. Always a good thing to do. All right. Um, Eric says 9.1% inflation reading today. Will that affect the housing prices with core inflation continuing to reach new highs? Will we get Paul Volkert? 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 I can't even say that. Um, so here's the thing. Is I, I think... Again, the market is pricing in the idea that long-term inflation isn't here to stay. Um, that's why rates didn't move as much today, um, you know, because they believe that the Fed is going to continue to raise the Fed funds right funds rate and be aggressive, and therefore, uh, you know, it's going to likely lead us into a recession, which is going to help bring inflation down anyway. So. Um, yeah, core inflation was was a bit higher, but I think it was like 0.1% higher versus what they expected. So not significantly higher. Uh, but, you know, what we saw with regards to oil and, um, you know, just for for uh, CPI was, you know, the reason the CPI figure jumped so much is because I think oil was up 11.6% or something. Crazy, crazy high number. Question, can you tell us some great down payment assistance programs? So here's the deal, Kim. Depending on what state you're located in, those programs are going to be different. Um, some some uh, states out there have more aggressive programs with grants and, and different things they can offer, whereas California doesn't really have anything. Um, now, you might hear of programs out there in California that are available. The problem is most of the down payment assistance stuff was cut years ago when they went to balance the budget. The first thing they cut was this down payment assistance program. So while the programs are there, they don't have any money to actually lend. Um, you know, Cal Hafa is one of the ones out there that still has, uh, you know, an opportunity to help you with down payment assistance. Um, but understand most down payment assistance isn't free money. There is some sort of repayment that goes along with it. But just find a lender in your state that understands uh, down payment assistance that works with it. Um, and they can give you more guidance. You know, there are states like Texas, there are states like Georgia that have a lot of down payment assistance programs, hundreds of programs. And so if you're in one of those states, there's a be better opportunity to get it. Uh, but with that being said, 
I put a link on the bottom of the screen right now. You can go there. I'm happy to refer you to an expert in your state that, you know, understands mortgages and likely knows about down payment assistance. So hopefully that is helpful for you. All right. Um, three pup bogeys always here every week. Appreciate you being here. Thanks for all the info closing next week. Super excited. You guys are the best. So appreciate you being here. Appreciate, you know, obviously listening to us ramble on, um, you know, the goal again, isn't to get you guys to buy a house, but it's really to just provide information, talk about home ownership, why it's important and help you, you know, not make the decision for you, but provide some context on some of the data out there. Right. Because if you just read the headlines, it's almost like the world's falling apart. And we all know market goes through cycles. This is a cycle. Things will continue, you know, things may get worse, probably will get worse, but at some point they're going to get better. And so you've just got to make the right decisions for you. So uh, you made the right decision for you and we appreciate that. AJNL Fair. Uh, hi, Jeb. A friend of Carlsbad is given, given after house has set on the market for 30 days. How can sellers have realistic expectations? Didn't average used to be up to 50 days or longer before this market? Oh, okay. So maybe a friend of yours has given up in Carlsbad after his house set on the market for 30 days. Um, yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, back in 04, I mean, 04, 07, 08, when the, when the market, you know, we saw when it crashed, if you will, we saw homes sit on the market 150, 200 days. I mean, Homes set on the market a very, very long time. And it it there were different conversations happening with sellers at that time. Here's the thing. I don't know that we're going to see 200 days on market, but as we continue to move throughout the rest of the year into the fall, homes are going to sit longer. They are. Why? Because there's, you know, we we've talked about these things, but it's just typically the time of the, the year when things slow down, when kids get back in school, there's less home buying because Parents don't want to move their kids during the school year to a different district or what have you. And that's not the same for everybody. Not everyone has kids, uh, but you start to get the seasonality from, from the holidays coming into to play. People are, are, are thinking about Christmas and Thanksgiving and all of this stuff and less, you know, worried about selling their house. And even then, you know, we've seen the last couple of years, less people, you know, putting their homes on the market during this time of year, worried about you know, the pandemic and COVID and people getting sick, that's that's still in, in a lot of people's memories out there. And so you're going to have some of that playing into this year and, and the market's going to be slower and with a slower market and, you know, and, and inventory building, you're going to have homes sit on the market longer. Um, so did the average used to be up to 50 days? No, it's been way more than that. But you don't start to get what they call a balanced market, a fully balanced market till I believe like 120 days. But as you continue to move closer to that, the more balanced it becomes for sellers. So just keep, or for buyers rather, um, we're already in a position where it's way more balanced than it was six months ago. And that's going to continue to get better. But that doesn't mean you can go in and offer significantly less, right? We've talked about clients that I have that have tried to offer not significantly less, but offer a decent amount less and they're not even getting responses. Um, and why am I even submitting these offers? It's more to prove a point to to some of these buyers like hey that's what you want to do okay let's just see what the market's got i've been wrong in my career right somebody want to offer less and it ends up getting accepted or whatever um it doesn't happen often but it does happen so you know if a client wants to do that i'll do it uh but oftentimes it, it doesn't result in a, a a transaction where 
um, that goes into escrow, right? Many times we're not getting a response like, like, like we, you know, over the last couple of uh, weeks in, in some of these offers I've submitted, um, they haven't gone anywhere. Um, on top of that, like I, I mentioned, I, I don't remember if it was on this uh, show or one I did on somebody else's channel, but this past week submitted an offer in, in the mid one millions, um, 1.4, uh, actually a little bit higher than 1.4. And there were multiple offers on the property um, after it had been sitting on the market for a period of time, right? Ended up being multiple offer situation. And we ended up more or less at the asking price on that transaction. So just know your market and know what's happening. Uh, David, a lot of inflation questions. So do we, do I foresee inflation continuing? Yeah, I think inflation is going to continue, uh, but is it going to continue at the numbers, the, the increases that we've seen? I don't think so. Um, I think the fed funds rate and, um, and you know, the, the slowing of the economy is going to bring, uh, some of those numbers down, but we're going to have inflation for probably a couple of years. Um, now there are people out there that believe, you know, inflation by mid next year is going to be in the low two, 3% range. I don't know that that's the case, but I think within the next couple of years, you're going to have, you know, inflation back under somewhat under control. I don't know if we'll, you know, be back at 2%, but it won't be reading 8% in my opinion. So, or 9.1 for that matter. Uh, Courtney, what value does a mortgage and 2.75 interest rate compared to what's available in the market today. Thanks for all your help. I don't understand the question. What value does a mortgage? Yeah, maybe you can help me out and clarify what you mean there. Um, let's see. Do I think home prices in LA continue to come down if interest rates go up by now or wait until next year? Um, home prices could come down a little bit. Um, I, you know, I'm under the camp that home prices are decelerating, which essentially means that you're not going to see the year over year increases at the same time. It comes, it really comes down to where is a seller pricing that property to start with? Are they pricing it based on what the market, where the market is today, or they still have this false reality that they can price it where they, where it was six months ago, because if it's six months ago, you're going to continue to see big adjustments down on some of these homes. But if you're seeing property priced where the market is today, you're going to see less of those price adjustments and less decline in prices. But with that being said, I think things are going to moderate for some period of time. Um, but buying now versus later, can you find the right house now uh, that meets your needs? Does the payment make sense to you? Those are the things you got to think about. Um, you know, like I've mentioned several times on the show, my wife and I would still love to find the right property. It's just not out there for us. Although another one came to the market this week and it kind of matches a lot that we want outside of one thing. It backs to, it sides a street that I don't really care to side. Um, I don't like the idea of noise. I don't like the idea at some point in the future when I go to resell it, that's going to be a problem for buyers, for a lot of buyers. Uh, but it's in a highly desirable community and a neighborhood and it's been nicely done. So that's a property that kind of fits us. Um, so the question is, would I buy it now? If, if it didn't have the street beside it, I, I think I probably would. Um, now, this is a property that's probably going to have multiple offers and get bid up. Am I willing to go crazy on it? Probably not. Um, not because I think the market's crashing, just because I'm in a position where I don't really have to do anything, right? I'm in a, I'm comfortable with my mortgage payment, super comfortable. I bought my house some time ago. My mortgage payment's super low. I have a lot of equity. I don't need to move. I want to move, right? And so if the right property presents itself, I'll make 
I'll make that decision. But I'm not in a fearful camp of, you know, I'm not buying today because I think prices are going to decline. I'm not buying today because the right house isn't there. My my plan is to buy a property and be in it for the next 10 plus years, right? I've got growing boys. I've got, you know, we're a house where there's always a lot of kids outside of my three kids. And so having more space is desirable for me and my family. Those are the decisions we make when purchasing property. We're not, you know, and can I afford the payment? Am I comfortable with that payment and doing that? I'm not making the payment or, or making the purchase based on what I think the house is going to be worth tomorrow. And, and it's okay if you, you know, are thinking that, um, but just don't let that be the reason you make the decision. As long as you got a longer term time horizon, you're, you're probably going to be okay with regards to, to being able to, um, you know, sell the property at some point in the future or whatever your, your, uh, reasons for buying are. But, you know, I, I buy, I'm not buying for, for the reason for the house to go up. I'm buying because I need a bigger house and I want to be in this area. So just my thoughts on that one. So you got to make the decision for yourself. <clears throat> James says, my opinion, where do you see rates at the spring of 2020? James, I'm not willing to go out there on that one just because I've been wrong on interest rates. Um, obviously, back in the spring, I did say I didn't think rates would would go above four. Um, and I didn't expect Russia to invade Ukraine and um, all the issues with oil, which created additional issues and, you know, inflation going high and the market not, you know, liking what the Fed was doing and volatility and that caused a big jump in rate. So there's a lot that goes into these things. So when I go out there and I say, this is what I think, then everybody comes back and says, well, you were wrong because, you know, of this. Well, yeah, there's always events that we don't know are going to happen. Uh, but I think there's a chance that I will say, I think we've seen close to a peak in rates. Um, you know, the peak was so far has been around six and a quarter. I don't know that we'll go much above that. Um, could we go as high as six and a half? Maybe. Uh, but could we trend back in the fours? I think there's a real good possibility that could happen uh, just based on, you know, what's happening in the market right now, how the market reacted today to, um, you know, the the CPI and, and expectations for the Fed. Now, if the Fed comes out and and backs off their aggressive stance with regards to inflation, that's going to cause rates to go higher. Uh, but if they continue to put their foot on, on the brakes with regards to the economy, I think there's a chance that brings rates down. All right. What do we got here? And keep in mind, guys, I don't have uh, Jen Lego tonight either. So I'm really just operating one man show, guys. So I appreciate you being uh, being patient with me. Uh, Richard said, what's the deal with sellers still wanting an insane amount of money? My neighbors in the Dutch Haven area of Huntington beach want 1.2 for a 1200 square foot home, dude, nuts. So I actually had that conversation with somebody yesterday. Uh, they're buying a property near Dutch Haven, you know, one of the Dutch Haven tracks, and it's quite a bit larger than that, you know, that 1200 square feet. And they were asking me, Hey, you know, what, do, what do, what do, what do you get for this price in Huntington beach? And I was like, this is basically it. Um, you know, I'm like down the street, there's 1200 square foot homes selling, you know, between one, two and one, three on some of these things. And yeah, no, it's, it's nuts. Um, uh, but I will tell you it's almost the entry level property in Huntington beach at this moment. And that's, I mean, is that concerning a little bit, um, just because of, you know, from a buyer standpoint, like if you want to live in Huntington, that's what you have to, uh, be okay to purchase or, you know, the, the idea of if my kids wanted to live here where prices are going to be from, you know, you know, my, my oldest is 10. So in 
15, 20 years when he's ready to, to, to own a house where prices are going to be, if that's where we are now. Um, it's, it's insane to think that, uh, but yeah, you can find, you know, homes at a million or one, one, but a lot of them are in that price point. So it's nuts. And, and sell, why would a seller adjust otherwise, as long as the market, you know, these homes are continuing to sell, that's, that's the catch, right? As long as they're continuing to sell their needs, there's no adjustment needed. Uh, willing. I can't even read that right now. Um, let's see here. Well, I'm going to try to read this. Good evening, Wolf. Luis and Lego. Luis and Lego are gone. They bailed on me, man. Or female? One man? I don't know. I, I saw a picture of a woman at one point on your account. Maybe you're a woman. Not sure. Sushi was fresh. Wolf, how do you get over self-consciousness in your cubicle when others can hear you talk on the phone? Oh, boy. That's never an easy one, right? I still don't like that. I still don't like filming videos and people listen. I don't even like people watching my videos. Is that crazy? Uh, makes me feel uncomfortable. I don't know why, but I appreciate you guys being here. Uh, let's see here. Let's see. Um, let's say we purchase at 6% in 2023 and the rates fall to 4 to 5% within a few months after closing. How soon? Can we refinance? So uh, Josh would would sell you that typically it's about six months um, in refinancing uh, just because there's some recapture, you know, on on your previous lender uh, if you refinance sooner. I mean, literally, you could refinance the next day as long as it made sense, but it's generally not going to make sense that quickly. It's, it, you know, if rates, rates aren't going to go from 6% to 4% overnight. Um, so it's going to take some time. So I would say six months um, is, is typically what you shoot for. Uh, and, and Josh, I think the calculation is you divide your loan amount by 125,000. And that's essentially what you need to save for it to make sense. So if you had a $500,000 mortgage, you divide it by 125 uh, or divide 125 by your mortgage rather, um, that's a quarter percent. So you need to save a quarter percent on a $500,000 mortgage for it to make sense. So hopefully that's a quick back of the napkin napkin calculation for you to help you out. Uh, but, you know, start asking that that question as you, um, you know, start getting ready to buy in 2023 and maybe have a, a different answer for you. Uh, Laker J says, I bought a house in February 2022 with my then girlfriend. Unfortunately, it did not work out. Uh, we've come to an agreement that she keeps the Tesla and I keep the house. What do I do? All right. So here's the thing. Um, you keep the house. She's still on the mortgage and probably still on the deed. You need to get something in writing, releasing her ownership to the property. Um, you can have her do a quick claim uh, and and quick claim her off the title where you're just on the title by yourself, um, but she's still going to be on the mortgage. So that could negatively affect her and trying to do something else, qualify for something else. Uh, but ultimately, the only way to get her off fully is to refinance that property into a new loan, which obviously you don't want to do at the moment just because rates are quite a bit higher. So I would say if you guys are cooperating um, and working together, then you know wait until interest rates improve. Hopefully they improve um, where it makes sense to refinance and get her off. Otherwise, you got to get something signed basically releasing her ownership from the property. But the only way she's going to get off the mortgage is to uh, to refinance off of it. So that's somewhat of a conundrum, if you will. 
So your rate is at 6.49 non-QM bank statement loan. Is it even worth it to refinance? That's the second part of that. It could be, actually. Um, I don't know where non-QM stuff is today. It may be worth hang- having a conversation, honestly. Um, if you click that referral link or go to that referral link, scrolling the bottom, it'll connect you with Josh here in California, assuming that's where you are. Um, if you're out of state, it'll connect you with somebody there and you can have that conversation to see if it makes sense to refinance and possibly get her off. Otherwise you have to do with what I said a moment ago, Upland, California. So, uh, just getting to that. Yeah. Have that conversation. All right. So Jason says, how long after getting a HELOC on a primary residence, can you turn around and rent it out? I mean, you can do it immediately. There's no, the thing with, you know, mortgages and, and there's no police coming after you to knock on your door to see if you, you know, are living in the house or whatever. Um, you typically sign something saying some sort of owner occupancy affidavit, basically saying that you are going to occupy the property. It doesn't say you're going to occupy it for any period of time. Uh, so maybe you occupy it for a bit and then rent it out. Uh, but if they did found, find out for whatever reason, they could shut down that home equity line of credit on you. Um, but there's nothing keeping you from renting out that property. So I would say you could do it immediately if you wanted, but I would suggest waiting a little bit of time and then, and maybe taking that route. Mark's Google, who in the right mind is trying to buy now? People that need homes, people that are getting married, starting families, people that are relocating for jobs, people that are moving up, people that are moving down, people um, that want to be homeowners. I mean, there's a lot of people, right? You know, everybody's not just looking at the market saying, oh, the world's about to fall apart because let's be honest, it's a lot of, you know, a lot of what you read out there is headlines and you just got to read the context underneath it. We know that again, the market goes through cycles, things get good, things, you know, go, go bad. Um, and, and then they get better again. So if you have that longer term time horizon, you can withstand that and not be so concerned with the day to day. Uh, rain yell, uh, if an apartment building was built next to my neighborhood, can that cause the value of our property to go down? It could. Yes. Um, you know, it depends on what type of apartment building it is. Um, are they high end rentals in that apartment building or is it lower end rental rentals? Maybe even some section eight housing and that sort of thing. That stuff can negatively impact neighborhoods. Uh, so it really just depends on where you are. Now, if you're in, uh, a downtown, more urban area, probably less of an impact when this sort of thing goes on because, you know, that's what gets built in these areas is more high density type stuff. Um, if you're more of a suburban area and everything else is houses and then you got this coming on, more of a negative impact. But I think it comes down to the pricing, how nice is the development, what kind of people are renting it, um, are, you know, is it, is it, people with jobs and, um, you know, higher end jobs and, you know, families or is it lower income and, and, you know, bringing in riffraff to the, to the community, if that it's going to have a negative impact. So just things to keep in mind there. All right. So we're 30 minutes in, I'd like to ask a favor. There's 237 people here. Um, I'm by myself. If you wouldn't mind hitting the thumbs up, um, maybe subscribing to the channel, turning on the bell notifications to stay updated on real estate, right? The goal here is to educate, empower, guide, um, you know, 
build wealth, borrow smart, buy right, all of those good things. That's the goal here. It's not to get you to do something you don't want to do. It's really just to provide you with the information to help you make the right decision. So do me a favor, hit the thumbs up if you don't mind. I would appreciate it. All right, let's see. Let's see. Did I lose my comments? What happened? Oh, here we go. Okay, sorry, people. I'm trying to find where I was. Um, do you think housing inventory can reach 1 million or more by the end of the year? It's a good possibility, yeah. Um, you know, I think housing needs to get up to like 1.5, 1.7 million to really have some balance, if you will. Um, but yeah, I do think, I think there's a, a chance that inventory levels could reach there for sure. Um, it depends. It really depends on what happens, you know, as we move into the spring, uh, or the fall rather, um, with rates and with, with just the general market overall, right. Are, is, have the majority of sellers come to the market already, or are they still watching CPI and this stuff, you know, thinking about coming to the market? I think many are locked into the rates and locked into their houses and unable to do that because of where house prices are and where interest rates are. They just can't make that move or aren't willing to make that move. And that's going to keep some inventory off the market. But at the same time, I, I think, you know, the slowing in the market is going to allow the numbers to continue to build. So. Let's see. All right. So I'm kind of caught back up here. Um, $500,000 home with 20% down payment, 3%, 2353, uh, 10%, 41.77. How will people be able to afford a mortgage on a home when rates hit 10% and their monthly payment doubles? Well, they won't hit 10%, so we don't have to worry about that question. Um, Eric, condo versus single family. Um, to each his own. Uh, recorded a podcast um, on the Educated Home Buyer, um, Josh and I's podcast, uh, where we actually talk about the differences in condos versus single families, the pros, the cons, the good, the bad, um, to each his own with this sort of thing, right? There's definitely pros to each and cons to each. So instead of answering a long, drawn out question here, go check out that podcast. Again, the Educated Home Buyer. If you haven't listened to it, we take a deep dive every week into a topic, um, giving you our thoughts on it. Sometimes it's pros and cons like that. Sometimes it's talking about interest rates and, you know, forecasts for the market. Uh, but it, it's a deep dive into that topic versus answering a bunch of different questions like on here. But we also take this episode that we're filming right now and post it on Friday. So Tuesdays are generally when we post the regular episode where we take a deep dive into a topic. And then every Friday, we take this and put it in audio form for you to listen to it at a uh, hundred speed. So it lasts like five minutes versus the two hours. Jeb, isn't there a Cal half a loan down, down payment assistance that you mentioned in one of your videos, but it's truly free money to help you get it to me. Yes. So I mentioned it a moment ago, not going to dive back into it. So if you have questions about Cal half, talk to a lender. Oh God. Some of these people, some of these people.
Uh, we are currently comfortable in a smaller home. We own, but would like to upgrade to a bigger home in the future, but no rush. What market conditions should we wait? Should we wait for, if any? I think it's finding the right property and being comfortable with the payment, right? Um, I think waiting for any particular thing to happen, you know, a certain thing to happen is going to be difficult, right? It's hard to time the market. It's hard to time, uh, time the top. It's hard to time the bottom. It's more making a decision based on where you are in your life. Uh, so I think that is the the condition you need to wait for versus so much you know worrying about say the market per se um, and finding the right the right property for you right like I gave the example earlier about me and my wife looking for the right house it really comes down to the house it has less to do with the market I mean I obviously I got to be able to make the payment and be comfortable with it uh, but I'm not waiting for home prices to hit a certain level or a certain number of homes to come to the market before I say hey this is it it's more hey the right property the right time, which is now is the right time. It's just the right property and the right payment. So am I comfortable with it? And if so, then I'm doing it. David, I don't know. Um, what other YouTubers in California that are providing good education resources. So I don't, I don't watch a lot of YouTube, believe it or not. Um, so I know there's, you know, Matt, the mortgage guy, um, provides good stuff on, on loans. Jen Beeston, um, Jennifer Beeston also provides a lot of good information on loans. Um, with regards to housing, I honestly don't know. I don't know. I mean, I know there's some people out there providing information, but honestly, most of it's garbage and fear based. So I don't, I don't watch that either, but I don't recommend it. So I honestly don't have a lot of good recommendations for you at the minute. Uh, Jason Walters, typically pretty level-headed channel, right? Just providing information, providing the data and letting you kind of figure out what you want to do with it. Um, so he could be a good resource. Um, outside of those, I got nothing. I got nothing for you. Um, we are going to... Um, we're going to give Brian a timeout. What do you think about that, Brian? You are just going crazy in here. Um, thank you, Kim. Doing good. Appreciate you. Um, Sophia, I bought a piece of land in California. Should we wait to get a construction loan with cost of labor, lumber and labor? Don't know, right? That's to you, right? Can you afford the cost of lumber and labor now? Does it make sense? Do you expect the cost of those to go down? I don't know. I I, I don't honestly, I'm, I'm not, you know, I don't think it's a bad question. I just don't know the answer, right? I don't know. Labor, labor could get cheaper. Um, if we, if we head into a recession, um, or, you know, I know a lot of markets at the moment are still having trouble finding good, good labor, good workers. Construction businesses are one of them, right? They're, they have trouble finding people that actually show up and do their job. So that could continue to remain high. Lumber, I don't know that lumber is really going to go too far um, in either direction at the moment, just because I, there's still demand out there for remodeling and additions and doing different projects. So it's too difficult of a question, you know, too many, too many different factors in there to play in. Oh man, these one thing I've learned on this channel, guys, after two years is that you cannot educate uneducated people. You just can't. 
you can try to provide logic. You can try to provide data. You can try to provide context with regards to what's happening with that data in real world situations that I'm going through with clients and you still can't get through. So I've decided I don't know what to do with those people. So that's all. Just a side thought. Just thought I'd throw that out there. Just, you know, what's on my mind. Since Josh isn't here to ramble on, I'm going to ramble on. All right. Let's see. Isn't lumber comparatively cheap to what it used to be? At the height, yes. Yeah, lumber prices got up significantly higher. I think it's down and trading in the 700s somewhere now, but it's still higher than it was when it was 400, right? So there's definitely an increase in it, but it's significantly less than where it was at the height. Would you personally buy a home in this market if you needed to buy a home? Yes. I've told, I've given you several stories on here um, where I've talked about it. Uh, Moonlight Sunrise, ah, name I haven't seen in a long time. Um, hi, back to you. Good to see you here. Uh, Kim says, is it good to look into foreclosures soon? Sure, you can look into foreclosures. Understand, I gave you an example earlier. There's only six on the market in my in my county, Orange County, 3.3 million people, 3,800 plus homes on the market, um, and there's six, five uh, foreclosures, one short sale. There's there's not going to be a lot of foreclosures anytime soon, right? A lot of distressed sales. There's too much equity. People can sell and walk away. Um, that's not going to change anytime in the near future, so you can look into them. But understand, when you see a property that seems to be priced below market value on the market, it is going to get interest. Not only is it going to get interest from people like yourself looking to buy a property and get a deal, it's also going to get interest from investors, people looking to take advantage of a situation having cash. Um, and so you're competing in, in these markets. The, the reason people were able to buy foreclosures and distress sales in 2008 is because they made up a huge portion of the market. We're nowhere near even close to that at the moment. So um, I think the idea of expecting to get a deal on one of these is, I think it's silly personally, um, unless you can find, you know, a seller that you know directly that's willing to sell you a property. And even then, um, they'd be crazy to do it, um, you know, unless they've stripped all the equity out for in, in some way, which I don't know how they would have done it after we've seen a 40% increase after two years. All right. So good question. Um, when you and your wife buy a new bigger home, are you planning on keeping and renting out your current one? So the ideal plan is to keep the current home and rent out the other one. Why? Because I don't owe a lot on my property now. And if I rented it out, I would um, have a significant amount of positive cash flow coming in per month. Um, and I could use that to offset my new mortgage payment. Here's part of the catch. Um, in the price point that we're likely to be purchasing in, just because of where prices have gone and what I need for my family with regards to size and where I want to be location-wise, I'm not comfortable with the mortgage payment um, on that property without putting a big chunk of amount of money down. And I don't have a large chunk just sitting in the bank that's cash, right? I have some cash, uh, but a lot of my money is in equities and stocks, and I don't want to pull money out of there. Um 
for, for buying a property. So I would likely, depending on the price point, sell that property and use the equity in there to buy the upleg. Um, just because it would put me in a position where the payment is way more comfortable in doing that. You know, I, could I do it? Sure. I could do it. Um, I just, you know, I like being able to, to sleep at night, not having to worry about my mortgage payment, which is what most people should, uh, focus on when buying a property, right? You don't want to stretch yourself. I talk about it all the time. And I, you know, I'm a single income family. I, 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 I work and my wife, uh, also works, but stays home with the kids and takes care of them. And so we're, you know, I'm the only income coming in. So with that being said, the price point that we're likely going to buy in um, for a primary, it, there's a chance it would we'd have to sell it um, unless something were to happen uh, with rates being considerably less uh, in in the future. Um, but I don't, or in the near future, and I don't know that that's going to happen. So hopefully that provides you a little little idea of what I'm uh, what I'm thinking. Uh, let's see. Uh, Moonlight Sunrise came back on and said, close on a single family home. Your videos are tremendously helpful. Thank you. Take care. So I appreciate it again. Appreciate you being here. Um, will home prices go down? My plan is to sell my home in the next five years and wait to decide on selling. So not sure if it's a good time to seek still and make a profit. Portland, Oregon. So Sell and do what? What are you going to do with the money in the in the meantime? I mean, that's the question that I always ask. Are you going to sell the property and go rent something? Are you going to sell the property and wait for home prices to come down? What if they don't come down? What if, I mean, what if they come down a little bit, but, you know, and, and you sit on the sidelines and prices end up going back up? It's very, very difficult to time the market. Um, I, it's hard to say what's going to happen in, in the next five years, right? We're likely to, to see a slower economy. Um, we're likely to see home prices move closer to, to lo the long-term trend. Um, you know, there's a lot of economists out there expecting, you know, single digit appreciation, even over the next year, four or 5%, three to 5% somewhere in that ballpark. I think you're going to see home prices probably move down a little bit. Um, you know, there was another question up here asking something similar, uh, about where I see home prices. I think it was, uh, Somebody, I don't remember the name or right off the top of my head. Anyway, if you're asking about home prices, I'm probably talking about you. Um, but I don't see them. Oh, Carlos, how much do you think home prices will drop in this? Like, I could see home prices moving down 5%. Um, some markets, some markets maybe a little bit more, um, maybe even as high as 10%, depending on what happens to inventory and rates. I think if rates moderate, um, you know, and, and stay somewhere in this range, which is what I expect. I don't think you're going to see the declines much more than say 5%. Um, some markets aren't going to see it that decline at all. Some are see a little bit more depending on where you're located. If you're in one of the markets that was strong prior to the pandemic, chances are you're probably going to be strong as we move forward. If you're in one of these markets, you know, that, that wasn't strong. And the only reason that, that made it strong is because of the pandemic. Maybe there's less of, of that going forward. So I think there's an opportunity for prices to pull back, but I wouldn't be selling my house waiting on the sidelines waiting for that to happen. Because in the meantime, you got to find a rental or a place to live. And you're paying, you know, at the moment, exorbitant amounts to rent properties, right? Rents are crazy. I think the average rent here in Huntington Beach at the moment is $5,200. Crazy. You know what that gets you? Like 1,200 square feet. It's it's stupid. Um, you're throwing your money away. So, but you got to do what's right for you and just make sure before you sell, you can actually find what it is that you're looking for because in many markets, things are still tight, but I have a really good agent in Portland if you need a good agent. So that link across the bottom will get you in touch with, uh, with them if you need to talk to them.
Still got that on the screen. I forgot. There's nobody here to take it off. It's what happens when you roll solo. All right. So Eric says, in my market in Houston, inventory is now up to two months, the most since 2020, but still near record high prices. So, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, Houston is one of those markets where there's still a lot of area land to build, not in Houston proper, if you will, but on the on the outskirts of Houston. Um, I actually did a live on another channel, and there was an expert there uh, from Houston that deals with new construction. She said there's a lot of new construction just sitting on the market. Sell, you know, those builders are now willing to offer incentives and, and cut prices. So if you're in a market, I mean, you're saying only two months of, of inventory. So that's still really, really low. But understand, it's likely going to change as, as some of that construction comes to the market and sits a little bit longer. Um, but And prices are probably going to moderate. Moderate Are they going to crash? I don't think so. Um, but, you know, you're, you're likely to see, 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 see some changing in the market, some shifting. <clears throat> um, Cecil, I'm new in your channel. Thanks for your help and your information. What websites would you recommend to keep me updated on housing market trends? Uh, really good question. So um, I think housing wire is really good. Now, most of these, these website or these, uh, yeah, these websites require some sort of uh, subscription after you view so many articles. Um, but again, like if you're looking for kind of an unbiased opinion, just kind of facts on the market, um, that's, you know, Housing Wire is is a really good one. Um, I read Market Watch, uh, which is kind of general economics, talks a little bit about everything. Um, I read uh, Forbes Real Estate um, side of things. I read the Wall Street Journal. Um, I read, uh, what else do I read? I read Bloomberg. Um, obviously they have, um, you know, their, their say on, on real estate. There's a really good, uh, blog out there, calculated risk that puts a lot of really good information out there as well. Um, there's a website called mortgage news daily, uh, that updates on mortgage rates, what's happening out there. And they also have a link at the bottom of their webpage where you can get a lot of the, the new data that's been put out in the market with regards to real estate. So that's a good one. You can also follow interest rates on there, get a good idea of what's going on in the market. Um, follow, um, you know, just basic economics, follow um, John Malden, um, who, you know, tends to be a little bit more bearish on the economy and and on everything that's happening, but he provides some really good context on, on different things. So those are a few of them that you can check out. Um, this is something that Josh and I have been thinking about putting together is, is a list of this stuff because a lot of you guys ask for it. Um, you know, the American Enterprise Institute puts out good information on housing as well, um, just different information. So a lot of these websites, you just you got to kind of go with, you know, and, and do some research and find out. But those are all good places to start. Uh, but just look for information on data and them telling you the data and not looking for somebody telling you, you know, their view of, of what the data is. It's right. You don't want to get into all of that stuff, right? You want somebody to provide a little bit of context, but you know, once they start talking about crashes and all of that, then I would take it with a grain of salt. So AJNL says there's only seven foreclosures and one short sale in San Diego County. So yeah, there was six here. That's some good information. So not a lot happening there. Uh, let's see here. Here's a good question. Where did I just lost it? I just lost it, people. 
let's see. Uh, is Southern California a good place to invest in real estate? Are there many problems or is it fine? So it's a great place to invest in real estate. The problem is what it costs you to invest in real estate, right? If you're looking at somewhere um, in the state of California, any investor, the question for any investor looking to buy real estate is, are you looking for appreciation? Or are you looking for cash flow? It's very difficult to get both. Um, now, with some short-term rentals and Airbnbs, occasionally you can get cash flow and appreciation, but going, you know, uh, that direction is tough. You can't bank on on the short-term rental thing because things can change. Um, you can bank on it, but you can also set yourself up to be in a bad position if you're only buying a house for the short-term rental. Because if laws change, you could be stuck with a property that no longer works. Uh, but if you're looking for cash flow and you're looking in California, you got to put a large amount of money down in order for that property to cash flow. And because of where prices are, you're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars in order to buy property. Most people aren't rolling around with hundreds of thousands of dollars. If they are, California is great because you can get the cash flow, you can get the appreciation long term. But if you're somebody that doesn't have the, you know, the the big down payment, you're looking for cash flow. There's a lot of out of state opportunities out there where properties sell for significantly less, rents are high, and you can actually, with a decent down payment of 20, 25 percent, um, and we're not talking hundreds of thousands of dollars. We're talking, you know maybe $50,000, you can actually get a property that cash flows a couple hundred bucks a month um, and end up paying that property down over time. Use that money, put it towards the principal and end up paying it down quicker. So there's different opportunities in how do you want to invest. California is great for what it is, but understand there's a, there's other opportunities out there too. What, it, what you could invest in one property in California, you could buy three, four properties out of state. But understand a lot of those properties that you buy out of state, you know, they don't appreciate right? In 20 years, they might appreciate 5%, 10% max, whereas California might go up 100% during that period of time, depending on what it is. So just know your market and know why you're doing it. And hopefully that makes you helps you make the right decision. Uh, housing bubble boy, my rent doubled in two years. Rent is nuts at the moment. Um, it's crazy, um, crazy, crazy. I'm still looking. All right. Uh, I'm trying to find something, guys. Please bear with me. If you got a question, put it in there. So Carlos goes on to say a little nervous about uh, bought a pre-construction back in February, closing now. In August, I was able to lock in my rate at five and a half percent. I think about selling it and waiting. Um, yeah, I mean, selling it, if you end up selling it, you might lose money. Um, what would be your reason for not just hanging on to it and continuing to make the payments? And, you know, it, again, it's not an easy decision, right? Nobody wants to buy a house and immediately be underwater. I get it. I, it that's, I mean, of course. Um, but if you can focus on the monthly payments, live your life, and, you know, just like a rent, when you rent every month, are you worried about the price of the house? No, you're not. You're worried about making the rent payment. I, I get it. Your house is your own thing. and It's a little bit different. But, you know, worrying about what the price is going to be tomorrow or the next day, I, I think is silly. I mean, it, it, you know, there's so many people that haven't bought in the last five years because 
you know, they they thought something different was going to happen. And now many of them have been priced out of the market for that. Now, I'm not pushing you to buy a house, but I'm pushing you to think, you know, what is what is getting rid of that property and waiting do? Does it give you an opportunity? Maybe, but maybe it doesn't. And and that's the thing. You got to you got to figure out what's right for you. Um, it's increased by almost $80,000 in only a few months in Miami. So, um, yeah, I mean, again, you know, if there's an opportunity to sell it, sure, go for it. But, you know, remember, you, you make $80,000 or a portion of that, you got capital gains to pay, right? So you're not going to get all that money. Uh, capital gains taxes are going to eat up a good portion of that uh, profit. So, and you're going to have some selling costs. So out of $80,000, what are you going to walk away with? And maybe you don't need to walk away with anything to do it. Maybe it's just something comfortable to you to do. But those are things that you need to consider when when thinking about that. All righty, righty. So we are on an hour and seven minutes. I am once again going to ask you to hit that thumbs up as I sit here and just talk randomly answer your questions. I appreciate the support. I appreciate you guys being, if you're new to the show, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, typically we do this. I usually have a mortgage professional on here with me, an expert, Josh, uh, my, my lender. Um, and we talk about, you know, the economy, the market. Uh, we also have a podcast that you can check out the educated home buyer podcast if you like podcasts, but, um, he's out this week, so I'm rolling solo, but we do this every Wednesday for typically two hours. So last year we did 96 hours of free education, um, this year we're pretty much on track to do the same thing. I think we've only missed maybe one week, uh, so far. So maybe two at the max, but we're on, on track to do the same thing. So if you hit that thumbs up, it helps us know that you like the stuff and to continue doing it, it does get repetitive. Um, sometimes it gets tough to do this. So I'll be honest. Um, I have this conversation with my wife often, um, just because it is so repetitive in the things that we talk about. And I realize a lot of you guys, don't hear it often. And it's really hard to find good information. It really is. Um, and, and you might be watching this going, you know, who am I to trust you? And that's understood too. Uh, but you know, it's, it's, it's about providing education. It's about providing, um, value to you guys. And, and hopefully in return, um, we all, we all get something out of it. That's, that's the goal. Uh, Jacqueline, send me an email, um, or go to that link below, Click on Realtor, um, and I will. I'll be happy to connect you up in Portland if you, if you need it. Do the puppy. I'm planning to buy a second home as a primary residence in Virginia and rent the first house out, which is also in Virginia. Do you think it's the right time to buy a house now? Please throw some light. So, go back and watch earlier in the show, Do. I think if you're buying for the right reasons, you know, for you, yes, it's a fine time to buy a property. Um, if you're buying in the short, you think that you're going to buy something, sell it next year for a profit, or you're going to buy it in house hack, uh, because that you saw another YouTube video on house hacking. No, it's not, it might not, it's not, it, I don't know that it's ever the right time to buy a property. Um, it's hard to think in the short term with regards to real estate, real estate's a long-term game. Many people want to think about short term. And over the last two years, unfortunately, you know, people have been able to, to really get away in the short term and it's, it's changed the mentality um, of a lot of, of real estate because people have seen so much profit made. That's not normal. And at some point we're going to get back to the trend, which means that you need home prices to moderate in some areas that they need to decline to get back to that, that 
trend of, you know, 4.5, 4, 4.6% of the last 60 years. And so if you're in that position, you could be upside down if you're buying in the short term. So don't do that. Don't buy because of FOMO. And the reasons you put here, buying something out, renting my house out. Yeah, if it's the right time, sure. Why not? Uh, but throughout the show, we've talked on it several times in different scenarios, why I'm considering buying another property, all of that. Uh, so if you want it, don't want to watch us, go listen to it on the podcast. It'll be on Friday, the educated home buyer, uh, where you can check out that information, um, in audio form only. I see stuff like this and I think so dumb, so dumb, like 50% cuts in fee. There's no house selling for 50% less. In any market, show me a house. I, my email, it's everywhere. If you want to e email me something that sold for 50% less, and I'll be happy to admit I was wrong. In fact, I'll do a video with you where you can call me anything you want and tell. There's no world in which properties are selling at 50% unless the property was significantly overpriced to start with. So I see headlines like this and I see people. Like, if you believe that, you're on the wrong channel for one. Uh, but Brian's been talking in here the entire time about how the housing market's going to crash. And like, unfortunately, Brian, like, you're wrong. And it's, it's, if I'm the only person telling you that, then I'm the only person being honest with you. Um, so, with that being said, you know, it, it is what it is, buddy. Um, yeah, home prices are going down, but nothing's getting cut 50%. Nothing. Nothing is getting cut 50%. Anyway. All right. Um, Stacy, been saving for a house for two years and appreciate your channel. I've learned a lot. So thank you for being here. Thank you for the support. Uh, comments like that continue to uh, make me create videos to help out, right? Um, the channel started initially with the idea of educating and it's morphed into housing updates and all this crazy stuff over the, over the years, because that's what people want to see. I know like based on the number of views and what gets, you know, uh, comments and likes, people want to see what's going on in the housing market. And unfortunately that gets super repetitive, but I'm glad to hear that people are still finding, um, you know, value in the content. Entering a counter offer on a house that wants me to assume the solar loan of $49,000. Any advice on how to determine if that is good? So I'm probably not your guy when it comes to solar because I am like, we all have our biases on certain things. I have a negative bias on solar um, because for most people, it doesn't make sense. Uh, it looks great on paper. It looks like a great deal when they say, listen, you know, you have no, uh, uh, you know, energy costs, no electricity bill. Yeah. If your electricity bill is, is, five, six, 700 bucks a month, and you're spending $200 a month on solar, then maybe it makes sense. But what I generally find is somebody has a, a an electricity bill of like 250 bucks, their solar is $247 um, or 257, whatever, 247. So they're saving $3 a month to have solar panels on their house, which is going to take them however many years to pay off. And at which point they're paid off half the stuff on there is going to have to be replaced because it's so old. Um, I, I don't know. I'm not a fan of solar, um, especially assuming people's solar 
bills and and you know i just i don't know i've had too many problems with it when it goes to selling property that has solar especially that have leases already um but you got to i mean again so you got to figure out what that payment is per month how much are the electricity bills how long is it going to take you to recoup that cost right if you're saving 100 bucks a month on the you know by having solar but it's going to um you know take you 20 years to pay it off I don't know. Is it, is it worth it? I mean, there are costs involved after some point where, um, you know, you're going to be required for the maintenance. Yeah. There's warranties and all that good stuff, but what happens when you go to replace your roof on your house and you got to move the solar and like, there's just certain things that people don't factor in. Um, so unfortunately I'm, you know, a, a little bit negative on it. Um, but you know, it, it could be the wave of the future. I don't know. Um, California's put different holds on on different things. So I don't know. I, I Yeah, that's where I'm at. So hopefully that that helped you. I don't know that it did. Uh, <clears throat> so Fu Tao says, no crash unless we have another black swan event. Prices are slowing down, though prices will stagnate and eventually cl- slowly climb up. So I agree with that comment 1,000%. Um, I one, I mean, there's nothing else I can add to that. That is exactly how I feel. Um, unless there's a black swan event that nobody is predicting. Uh, Eagle Eye finally starting to see some price drops in Honolulu, but very little $1.5 million house. For example, price drop is 50,000. Yeah, that's, that's reasonable. Like I have two properties here locally, um, selling in that $1.5 million range. Uh, and one, I mean, let's see one. I've lowered the price over a hundred thousand, and the other one I've lowered about a hundred thousand. Now, both of these properties were priced high to start with, over the last comparable sell that sold many months ago. So, my, these properties were listed high, and it was more the seller trying to gauge, hey, what's the market willing to do? What, what, you know, I'll adjust if I need to, but can I sell it at that? I don't want to underprice it against some advice, but um, against my advice and pricing some of these things. But hey. Yeah, you're, you're seeing some of this stuff. It, it, it is. Now, when you see a property that was priced at 1.5 and you see there's a $100,000 price reduction on that property, does that mean it's selling for 10% under what the value was? Not necessarily. It might mean that at one point in time, or it might mean that the seller just priced it too high to start and the $100,000 you are seeing, you know, it should have been priced significantly lower to start. And what happens is when you price properties high to get, to start with, and then days on the market start to add up. And then on the top of that, you got the market changing and shifting a little bit. It just makes you being out of the market on that price that much more or that uh, making it that much worse, right? In, in, in having to lower quickly to get up to where you should be. So just keep that in mind. Um, Um, let's see. And Joe, Andrew, let's see. What do I think about San Bernardino looking for my first house? I think it's like any other area. If you can find the right property and the right, right price point. Great. Um, San Bernardino, some of these markets, you know, depending on where the prices are, depending on what your price point is, there's still going to be competition out there. Why? Because those people are still priced out of markets like Orange County and Riverside and some of these other markets. Right. And so I'm not saying San Bernardino is less desirable, Homes are less expensive there. So, you know, what we always say is those markets are the last um, to go up. 
and they're the first to be impacted when when prices start to moderate and go down. Uh, but again, like any other area, if that's where you want to live and that's where your job is and that's where your family and what you do is, sure, that's where you should buy a property. Uh, but just, you know, again, like anything else, you got to think longer term time horizon and all of that good stuff, all the stuff that we preach constantly. Uh, the corn, corn, Indian, corn, Indian, I can't even say that. Coridian, the Coridian. <laughs> yes, I got it. Uh, not sure if you discussed this, but are you surprised, concerned with the recent 15% uh, cancellation rate, a concern or sign of things to come? So, so 50, so for those of you don't know, um, there was a recent, uh, article put out by Redfin basically saying that 15% of people backed out of their contracts, uh, this month, right. Which was a record level. Now that's super concerning until you look at what happened last year, last year, 11% backed out. So 11% is still high, but this year, 15%. So it's a 4% increase, which is more. Um, is it concerning? It's not concerning. I think people, you know, what I see is that some home buyers out there have been pre-approved for some time don't realize how much interest rates have gone up and they get into contract and they realize, holy crap, my payment is much higher than I thought it was going to be. I can't do this. And so they end up backing out. On top of that, you've got all of these headlines coming out that people read and they get scared and they end up, you know, taking a back seat to um, wanting to buy a property and that backs people out. So I'm no, I'm not concerned with it. Um, I think it's almost, um, you know, it's, it's reasonable to think that people um, would be fearful and, and a little bit scared with all the craziness going on. So yeah, is it a sign of things to come? I don't think it's a sign of things to come um, because I think as people get accustomed more to what the market's doing, there's less of people, you know, backing out uh, for that reason. There's just so much volatility and so many changes happening right now that, you know, if you don't keep up to date on it, you don't really know what's going until you're right in the middle of it, which I think is what what's happening. Jay Adam says, would selling a home and offering a $10,000 to $15,000 credit towards closing or a 1% interest buy down be appealing to buyers in this market? Sure. Can't hurt. Um, But with that being said, you also have to be priced correctly, right? You can't be, you know, 10% over the value of what your home should be and then be offering that and expecting a buyer just to jump on it. Um, I think, you know, those sorts of offers or incentives are way more enticing uh, to when you're when you're priced correctly, right? And and having some context of what ten to fifteen thousand dollars actually gets you, right? How much does that buy your rate down, and how much does that rate buy down actually save you? Those are some some things that you know your agent can put together in the form of of uh, a flyer for open houses. It can be put in the agent comments, uh, the agent remarks for for agents to see and pass that information along. Because all of these incentives and these things are great, but if nobody sees them or knows about them, then they get you nowhere, right? So you got to be able to provide a way to get it out there as well. But no, I think doing incentives in this market is great. All right. 
Um, let's see. Ever think about doing a live stream in a different location? Properties, areas, showing, comparisons, home inspections, contracts might spice things up. However, Gina, like the current setup. So, yeah, I have. Um, I've actually thought about uh, doing a tour through a property and just nitpicking the hell out of a property um, and bringing you guys what I look at when I walk through a property. Like as a realtor, when I approach a property, what am I looking at? Uh, because I feel like that's helpful. Uh, but at the same time, it's also one of those things that if that's your property uh, as a seller and or I'm, you know, it, it's not. It, you don't want to see that information and I might be shooting myself in the foot to some extent. Um, so it's one of those things that's been a balance on creating. And also it it requires me to have somebody else, excuse me, film it, which, and, and it requires me being outside the office and doing all these additional things for, for timing purposes and what have you. So if you feel like that's valuable, I, I'd love, uh, I'd love to hear feedback on it. Um, uh, because that's one of the things I've talked about, not a tour, not taking you to a, a house I have listed. It's more walking you through as if you were the buyer and saying, Hey, listen, these are things that I see. This is what you should notice as, I mean, these are things you should pay attention to as a buyer. And that doesn't mean they're bad things. It just means that, you know, I have a property at the moment, uh, that's a flip. And there are several things in that property that I see as somebody that's detail oriented when walking through the property. The last thing you want to want to see as a buyer or, or, uh, you want to have happen as a buyer is not, have any of these th things pointed out to you because buyers buy emotionally and they justify logically. What that means is emotions are high. They're, they're in love with the property. They found the one, whatever. And then when they get in there, they start justifying why they did it. Yeah. Well, it was the, yeah, but I see all these things, but it was this, well, I don't want you getting into the property as a buyer that I'm representing and going, I didn't know any of this stuff. Like you didn't point this out. I didn't see it. Now I got all these problems. I want you to know now. So just, just my thoughts. Uh, but yeah, I've considered doing something like that. Considered changing up the, the scene a little bit. Josh and I might, uh, go into the same room, uh, for these lives to have a little bit better flow and a little bit more, uh, bouncing off each other. So that's something we've, we've thought about doing for, for lives as well, just to change it up and give you guys something different. So you're not staring at the same background, the same head every time. So, uh, would love to, love to hear your feedback on it. It'd be good stuff. Alejandro says, on a purchase, when do you recommend buying the rate down? What if there are plans to add value and cash out refinance within the next three years if rates come down? So um, I wish Josh were here for this because he's really good at, at telling you buy downs. Um, I, I don't. I think if your plan is to keep that same mortgage for 30 years, never refinance it if rates go down. Um, you just, you know, you're one of those people that ha will have the same loan forever, then maybe buying down the rate makes sense, but how much is it going to cost you to buy it down? How much are you going to save? How long is that going to take you to recoup that cost? Right? So buying down a rate 1%, right? So if you got a $500,000 loan, $5,000 is 1%, right? That'll generally save you about a quarter percent on the interest rate. How much is that quarter percent going to save you in your monthly payment? How long is that going to take you to recoup your cost? Five, seven years or something like that is, is typically what it is. So if you're going to own the property for longer than that period of time, not refinance if rates go lower, then maybe it's worth doing it. But if you're somebody that would potentially refinance if rates come down, if you're somebody that's going to do a cash out refinance at some point in the future, if you have some equity, then buy downs are sunk cost. They don't make sense to do. 
um, in my opinion. So I'm not a person that believes in buying down a rate. Now, in some instances, you have to buy down the rate because just that's what um, that's the only way you can get approved for the loan or whatever. Then in that case, you have to do it. But if it's something you have a choice of doing, I'm against it uh, just because I think there is an opportunity for lower rates in the future. Uh, and I know the mindset of most people, they don't have their loans that long. Um, which means at some point they're going to refinance or sell that property, at which point you've, you know, you've thrown money away, if you will. Uh, I got some people saying they would love to see it. Um, so maybe that's something we can shake up. I got a good property for it. I just got to, I got to figure out how to tr tread lightly, if you will. Um, is there a reason people are currently more willing to offer seller concessions rather than drop down the list price doesn't that only benefit the real estate agent's net commission wouldn't that mean a seller is paying a higher tax on a higher list price who really benefits in this situation so let's go back to the first part of the question so the first part of the question is um is there a reason people are currently uh, more willing to offer seller concessions rather than drop the price well the main reason again we talk about this all the time uh Prices are uh, sticky to the upside, right? Sellers don't want to sell a, pri a, a property for less than their neighbor did or less than they think it's worth. Um, so they're less willing to negotiate or lower that price in many cases. Or maybe they're in a situation where there's something similar, uh, you know, that's on the market and they feel like they're priced in the right price point and don't want to be you know, go significantly lower. So, but therefore they're, they're maybe willing to offer some incentives for a buyer to come in. Now, what I will say is that in this market at the moment, because of where prices are and where rates are, it's actually offering a seller concession to buy down the rate usually gives the buyer, uh, if you were to lower the price, say $25,000 or give the 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 buyer a $10,000 or $15,000 credit towards uh buying down the rate the buyer's going to get a much lower payment by buying down the rate than they are by lowering the price in most cases so it's a better deal for buyers in those cases to to take the incentive and use it towards buying down the rate now does it it benefits the seller because the seller gets to keep their higher price and therefore they end up selling the property for more money and usually end up netting money. So it's kind of a win-win for both situations, but it doesn't always pencil out like that. And you need to run the numbers to help it make sense. And so if you're listening to this going, I don't understand what you're saying, it's easier to provide with numbers and I don't have numbers in front of me to do that. Uh, but does it only benefit the real estate agent's net commission? Listen, if you're a real estate agent and you're thinking, you know, if you're calculating your commission every time you adjust the price, then you you're you're in it for the wrong reasons, right? I I don't I mean, I never ever think about my commission amount going down just because I'm I'm trying to lower the price to sell the damn house. Like, I'm not worried about my I make nothing if the house doesn't sell. So my goal is to sell the property. Therefore, I'm not calculating. So I don't I don't think most agents go in with that mindset. Maybe some do, but I'm trying to get price improvements and or you know the idea that uh, like I have a property on the market at the moment. It's a two bedroom. the 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 plan that they they own offers the potential for a third and fourth bedroom. Well, when the 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 buyer originally purchased that property, they chose the two bedroom option with a loft. Well, that loft can be a third and fourth bedroom. Well, what me and my seller discussed is, hey, listen, what we'll do is we'll adjust the price lower a little bit, but we'll also 
put comments out there that if a buyer wants the third bedroom, we'd be willing to give compensation towards that third bedroom to help them put up the wall to make the third bed. It'd be very, very easy to do. So I'm not trying to, to keep the price higher. To, I'm trying to get the house sold. So I'm doing a combination of things in order for that to happen. So hopefully that's what, what makes sense and, and who benefits the seller benefits by, by keeping the price higher because they make money, uh, make more money than typically lowering the price. Uh, the easy answer to this question, do I think rates will come down once inflation is under control? I do. Um, I think the, you know, I think we're headed into a recession. Um, recessions are deflationary. Um, so I think inflation is going to moderate. Um, and I think at some point the fed is going to have to reverse course, not, not maybe not this year, maybe not even next year, but at some point they're going to have to do something to stimulate the economy again. Um, and that's likely bringing interest rates back down. So I don't know when that is, uh, when that's going to happen, but I, I do believe that, I mean, that's my personal belief, but, um, don't use that to make your decisions. That's just me giving you my context. All right. Um, you could do a, a walkthrough of a foreclosure to be less problematic. Yeah. There's none out there though. Like I can't walk through a property that's not on the market. That's the, the, the unfortunate thing. Right. Um, so there's not really any, and even foreclosures, somebody owns it. So it's like, you know, when you film somebody else's property and then you put it out there for, uh, use like this on YouTube and, you know, there's ads involved and I make money that it's, it's just never a good thing. So that it's got to tread it lightly. I not sure how I'll do it, but I'll, I'll figure out something. Um, let's see what do we got here. So we are 254 people watching at the moment. Thank you guys for the support. Me being here by myself, I do appreciate it. Um, if you'd be so kind to hit the thumbs up. Actually, what I'd like to do is get more thumbs ups, thumbs ups, thumb, thumb ups, thumbs up, thumbs up on this video than when Josh is here, right? Just to kind of stick it to him a little bit. Hey, Josh, you didn't show up. Jeb actually got more likes by himself than he does with you. Hey, listen, I think that's good, right? Just kind of, Josh, we don't really need you. Although it's good to have Josh on here. It's good to bounce back and forth. Me talking to a camera, staring in the camera the whole time. Guys, this is not fun. Um, you know, having a little bit of chatter back and forth just makes things go a little bit quicker. Tonight's dragging on a little bit by myself. So anyway, you guys really did that, right? 20, 20 thumbs ups, 21 thumbs ups very, very quickly. So you guys are awesome. Uh, I appreciate that. Okay, let's see what we got. So hour 32 minutes in. Uh, let's see what we got going on here. Ooh. <clears throat> so can you explain how the home flipping market can be affected by a potential recession? So here's the deal. I actually put out a video. I haven't put it out yet. Um, it, it will go out Friday, Friday morning on, on buying a flip property, what you need to pay attention to. Because um, you're going to see... Uh, you're going to see, I mean, there's a lot of flip properties out there now. You're going to continue to see them. Um, and so if you're buying, whether you're buying a flip property or not, these are things that you got to pay attention to. So it's, it's, it's a good video for that, but how can home flipping market be affected by a potential recession? I mean, if you're holding a property that you're looking to flip and you haven't flipped it yet and values contender 
continue to moderate and or move sideways or even down in some markets, your profit can be affected as a flipper. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of people out there buying property as investors thinking that, you know, the market's still appreciating at a crazy pace, or maybe they're holding a property because they haven't completed it yet, you know, that they bought to do it during uh, good times and markets have changed. So I think Flipping out there is not for everyone. Um, there's some people that are really good at it, uh, can can get a good deal on a property and and know their budget and go in with their budget and accomplish that and and do the, you know the remodel at that budget and sell it for a profit. But I think uh, what happens in a recessionary time or in a market that continues to move sideways or down is that profits are affected um, in these situations. So getting you know if you have a, a you know a, a goal of getting a 15% return on buying a flip, flip property, probably going to be affected, right? I mean, um, you know, we went from a market where you were able to get 30, 20, 30% returns, 40% in some cases years ago, back in 2009, 2010 to now in this market, you're looking at eight, 10% on some of these flips. Some are looking at higher uh, margins or, or profit, but many aren't. Um, and many people out there don't know what they're doing is what I'm finding. And so, that's that is 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 the bigger issue. And so watch that video that posts on Friday because I talk about it in detail. It's it's I feel like it's something I should have talked about a long, a long time ago. Caroline says, suggest finding someone who recently closed on a house that needs some work. I just closed on one in the desert back in April. Someone like me would not have a problem. Yeah, I know. I, I, and that's good. I, I appreciate that. Um the problem is when you walk through someone's house and you nitpick it, like there's there's emotions that go along with that. And so you just don't want to be don't want to be the bad guy. Uh Eliza uh says, Do you think it's a good time to buy a multifamily property? Sure. If it makes sense, if it cash flows. I mean, you gotta again, are you planning on living in one and renting out the others? Are you planning on buying multifamily to rent out the whole thing? It's a numbers game. I mean, if it's an investment, it really comes down to the numbers. Do the numbers make sense? Can you afford it? If it does, sure, great. Why not? Um, if, if you're, you know, buying it for other reasons, or you're, you have a short-term, uh, mindset where you're planning on selling it in a year because you think it's going to profit, eh, then maybe not, right? It's not always a good time to buy a house. And, uh, now you gotta be, you got definitely gotta be more cautious in this environment. Real Estate with John. Hey, Jeb, thanks for the awesome insight. As our fellow realtor looking for some help in the process, is waiting till the last contingency days for a buyer to submit their RR, a negotiating tactic? Um, I don't do it like that um, because, you know, it can be a negotiating tactic. Uh, but at the end of the day, the seller uh, or the seller's agent, the listing agent could basically give you a notice to perform and say, hey, listen, you need to release this contingency by X, you know, period of time based on your original contract. And if you don't, they sell it can back out. Now can't back out in the middle of the negotiations, but if the seller's not willing to cooperate and forces the hand on, on a notice to perform, there's very little you can do. I think giving yourself an opportunity to go get some back and forth in there um, shows that, you know, you're not waiting till the last minute um, shows that you're more reasonable in, in your approach and that you're trying to work with the deal um, versus pushing the contingencies out. I mean, I guess the question would be, why would you want to push contingencies out? Like, why do you want to wait to the last minute? Is because the buyer's still getting cold feet? 
what is the reason for it? Because I think that's the more, you know, the underlying factor that you need to consider in that, then in that scenario. All right. Uh, dancing alone with rentals. The euro is down to record levels. Yeah, I think it's parity with uh, the dollar at the moment, which is like the first time in 20 plus years. Uh, money from overseas will continue to flow in the US. There's, uh, yeah, I, I agree with that statement. Um, uh, let's see here. I'll see you the listing agent. Yeah, I mean, it could be a tactic. It could also be they just didn't get an opportunity to do the the stuff they needed prior to, um, you know, the inspections just took longer and therefore uh, it, it affected their ability to to get it to you any sooner. Um, you know, is there something else going on, right? I mean, what other contingencies do they have outstanding? Is that the only one? If that's the only one, then the quicker you come to an agreement, the you know the better off you are or do they still have other ones out there so there's a lot going on with that question i don't know if it's just you know super easy to come up with a simple answer on it but um i you know i usually have conversations with the buyer's agent um and, and take it for what it is right try not to read too 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 much into it but it should be something that you should you know even if they submit it on the last day you should be able to get to the bottom of it within a day or two. If they're continuing to drag out for different reasons, then maybe you have something more going on. All right. All right, guys, here's what we're going to do. We're going to answer a couple more questions. My voice is starting to go because I'm on here by myself. Um, so I'm going to try to get a couple more then we're going to exit, exit stage left. Um, do homes appreciate in recession? So out of the last nine recessions, I think uh, prices have either gone sideways to up during those recessions. Um, the last major recession was 2008. Home prices actually went down, but the the housing market actually caused the recession at that time. So the housing market was the cause of that recession. And the other time when uh, prices went down, um, not nearly as much was also caused by the housing market at that time as well. So I don't, um, you know, overall homes continue to remain pretty stable during recessions. It's a fixed asset. Um, you know, people park their money into fixed assets, especially in, in recessionary times. Uh, so, you know, the majority of the time, homes, uh, the prices remain stable. Any thoughts on the Tampa Bay real estate market? No, I don't have any thoughts. I don't know uh, Tampa well enough. Um, I talked to a buddy of mine yesterday who is in Orlando. Uh, he's in the home building business. He works for a, a big builder. And I reached out to him just to say, hey, look, what are you seeing with building out there? Like, how, how are you being affected? Um, and he basically said the market's slowing, um, still selling properties. They're just still demand, but it's the market has slowed. Um, but he's, you know, we're not seeing any huge cuts on prices at the moment. So in, in Orlando area remaining pretty stable, although, you know, it's, it is slowing. I don't know enough about Tampa to, to be able to, um, to give you any info. Cindy, do you know historically how long a recession lasts? 11 months, I believe is the answer to that question. Um, on average, 11 months is the average. Um, but what I would say is, you know, 
you know, when the economy expands, um, you know, in good times, it's, it's usually like a three, three and a half year period. Um, and then recessions use, usually last up to about a year and a half. Uh, but on average, I think it's 11 months. So hopefully that is helpful for you. So we're going to end on that note this week, guys, just because my voice is going here from talking so much. Um, but I want to thank all of you guys for being here. Um, continuing to support me, uh, even though Josh isn't here, uh, continuing to post on videos and ask questions. All of that stuff matters. It's the reason I'm here. Uh, you know, the reason my family's at home eating dinner without me, uh, because I am here to, to provide some education to teach and hopefully provide value. So, um, if you haven't already, I would ask that you hit the thumbs up if you found any value tonight and subscribe to the channel. If you're first time here, or if you haven't already, and then next, we will be here next Wednesday for two hours back at 530, uh, closer to the Fed funds meeting. We will update you on what is happening in the economy. And in the meantime, listen to the home, the Educated Home Buyer podcast if you haven't already. We've done a couple episodes recently on, you know, uh, the, the market forecast, what's going to happen with rates, all of that good stuff. Uh, but go back and listen to the beginning if you're wondering about buying houses, you know, why it's important, all of that good stuff. But for now... I appreciate you guys being here. I continue. Um, I, I appreciate the continued support, guys. All right. Till next time. Adios. Thanks for listening to the Educated Home Buyer. Want to connect with us or to a local expert in your area? Please reach out at theeducatedhomebuyer.com/expert. If you found any value today, please be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. In addition, we ask that you share it with your friends and subscribe to us on YouTube and make sure to follow us on social media. Thanks again for listening.